Yes, episode 12. Uh, my name is Russ Shaw, your host. like, ah, I got this book, I'm going to voice this book, it's going to go great, I got this creativity and emotional stuff flowing out of me, and the adversity hits, you know, just a lot of stuff going on, had me thinking about this episode you're about to hear and how I was working through those seven needs that I'm basing a lot of the book on and how worship is right it's not the the church music you know this word worship Romans 12 this has been my personal definition of worship since uh, since I've been doing the podcast it's my recovery redefining that word and, and, it, and it comes from Romans 12 where the Apostle Paul says that it's it's simply worship is simply your life energy being spent your 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 being poured out he uses this analogy of like a like pouring out a a, a vessel of, of water or you know the burning candle is another one that we use a lot in culture when it comes to the spending of our lives and that's really what worship is to me is how you and I choose to spend our energy to spend that that deep life energy that that fuel that source of love and compassion and and dare I say honor how we walk out this life in the realm of those things and I was thinking about this this song from the Foo Fighters and and how you know my prayer life is different even this God knows what you need before you even ask these seven needs again being these subconscious unconscious things going on below the surface that are affecting right like I talked about in some earlier episodes that the queen ants down below the boards in the, in the house that are giving birth to these little behaviors that we don't tend to to like or, or love anymore right we want to see those change and these seven subconscious needs and, and I go into the, the love one right towards the end and I also uh, I spend some time and this was like what two weeks ago that I recorded this but I spent some time talking about how realizing these seven subconscious needs affected my day that day going through this adversity of uh, my daughter's Jeep breaking down in Port Angeles a hundred miles from where I was something like that two hours uh, across the Puget Sound and anyway um, here you go and this is uh, a worship song maybe from Dave Grohl who was going through some of his own stuff right I love this tune by the Foo Fighters the album In Your Honor 
and uh, what what Dave may be talking about here in this song it really touched my spirit as well. And and who are we going to worship and serve? Because ultimately, we will serve and worship something. Everyone does. We're created that way. Love you guys. Here you go. which was creation and that feeling that we have to create something that's bigger than ourselves. Um, the adventure and the creation, the, the sexual compulsive stages of that, um, and, and then getting into affection, right? Like feeling affection for someone. I remember a comedian who said, um, I, I think it was Sam Kinison. He was this old... He was a pastor who became a comedian and uh, back in the 80s tragically died in a car accident. Um, it's an interesting story. He, he would jokingly say, I don't think you should have sex unless you're really in love. And he says, and the facts are I can be really, really in love in very short periods of time. Um, and that's funny because, right, like you meet someone, there's this affection thing that happens. You have affection for them. Like, guys, if a woman doesn't have affection for you, she's not going to have sex with you. Right? That's just, most of the time, that's just how it is. Um, that's how, <laughs> um, unless you get into some of these other weird ways of, right, like S&M or um, Fifty Shades of Awful, I don't know. There's exceptions to every rule, right? But most of the time, affection is going to be evolved in any kind of sexual encounter that requires um, another human being besides your hand, alright? The screen doesn't have to feel affection for you. And that's another part of this, this need that we see a woman that we like, or I remember being addicted to porn. I also remember a Another woman talking about this, um, Crystal Renal and the, the Dirty Girls Ministries, 
her friend, oh, I forget her name now, but I remember her telling her story and I remember her saying, and this reminded me of myself, is, you know, clicking through images of just looking for that right one, right, that you can masturbate to. Um, there's, there's some affection involved in that. There's those feelings that get disconnected and we feel like we can't connect and, and this sort of hunt is another need of adventure that's in there. Clicking through to find that certain image or video today, right? Um, we're, we're constantly clicking through trying to find another way. That boat's leaving. Sorry. I'm here waiting for the ferry. And I just realized that the ferry boat is leaving. Like, I thought that I was getting on that boat. But I guess it's full. So I'm going to have to wait another, another what, 45 minutes or so? Man, I'm not going to be out of here till 5.30. Okay. Uh, I'm taking the 5.30 boat. It's pretty packed. Anyway. So... I just went off on a tangent there. Where was I? Affection. All right. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Affection and the, the connected feelings and how that gets distorted. The, the need for adventure. Um, and possibly if you are a fan of Freud's teaching, creation, it's in there. Uh, we're seeking out, you know, there's this thing going on that some evolutionary biologists would say is that clicking through these images, looking through the right one, is a sort of hunt for that the one that you can connect with. The one that you can masturbate to. The one that's going to get you off. The one that feels like a connection, sort of, right? Because you know that you could Especially guys, I don't know about gals, uh, maybe you too, but you could jerk off to just about any f porn video or image, right? Um, but you want that one that's going to stimulate you the way you want it to stimulate you, and that's why clicking through all these massive images has you feeling like you're on some kind of a hunt. There's, there's a need uh, wanting to be met in there, and when it, and it's sort of like. Um, when these needs aren't met, here's another metaphor for you. I just came up with it, but this is pretty good. Um, when those needs aren't met, and this is true from science, uh, dietary science, when the need for carbohydrates isn't met, we tend to just binge on more carbohydrates, right? Like french fries, potatoes. Potatoes come out of the ground. They have a small amount of nutritional value, but the carb hit that we get from potatoes, it's not real substantial, right? There's carbs in potatoes and they don't tend to fill that need that we need for healthy, good carbohydrates um, that come from some green vegetables, stuff like that. There, there's good carbs in, in a lot of vegetables that aren't potatoes. Isn't it funny how potatoes taste so good though? Like I'd much rather have a french fry than a carrot stick, right? One feels like gushy and soft and comfortable to my palate and my tummy. The other is, I mean, there's a reason they call it roughage, right? Um, there's something to that. 
potatoes don't tend to fill that need for the what our body is craving is the carbohydrates we want to be nourished and I'm saying the same as with these seven needs our body is craving connection our body is create is craving intimacy and instead of getting intimacy we're in front of a computer screen and we're actually ice chilling ourselves away from our spouse and a lot of this has to do with the, those needs and um, some of it has to do with uh, conflict resolution right resolving a conflict and we're so scared I mean again we have a need to feel secure and significant in our marriage so those needs go icy right those needs don't get met in a healthy way so rather than trying to get to the root or the truth uh, of what we're arguing about some of it's not even some of it's not even logical guys all right a lot of us guys we're trying to logic our way through a conflict with our significant other and for them it's more about feelings of trust maybe it's about feelings it's about some of these needs man contribution guys here's another one let's go back to adventure number five for a minute um, intimacy and being spontaneous variety if you have the money around to have good date nights and to continue the variety of date night and you're not doing it you're pissing me off <laughs> right sorry I just got a little triggered there uh, is that your need for significance rust that you can judge people like that I don't know maybe my need for um, I'm I, I wish if I had the money I would take my wife to really cool places that would be fun uh, but you know it's being spontaneous I'm more of a spontaneous person anyway um, but if I have a conflict resolution with my wife that's unresolved that the need or the want to of wanting and some of us even when we are getting along I think we just get in that feeling of the haunted sea right that I'm bringing up in the book we feel like we're in a haunted sea and in and, and our, our ship has a broken rudder right we're just drifting you ever feel like you're in a relationship and you're drifting ships passing in the night right whatever you got jobs I don't know um, there's value attachments to some of these needs, right? So our need for adventure, her need for adventure, a lot of times, guys, again, I'm talking about generalizations and maybe social norms and Western culture, but she needs spontaneity. She needs you to spend time with her. The Five Love Languages, that book about love languages, my wife says time. Um, those love languages could be tied in with these needs. Your significant other, in order for you to love them, where they're lacking in some of these needs, if you can figure some of that out by asking them how they feel, and that's how you get to the roots of some of this stuff. Because, we're again, they're subconscious. We call them subconscious or unconscious for a reason. Your spouse may be doing things that are hurting you that they're not conscious of. They can justify it. They can say why they're doing it. But underneath it all, um, the feelings, the emotions that are tied to them, 
there's something else, man. Um, you have to ask, how do you feel about that? What, how is, how is that making you feel? Like, don't, my friend Seth does this with me. He'll say, like, don't tell me. That's a thought. Tell me how it feels. You're, 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 you're giving me a thought again, right? You're giving me an idea again. I, I'm not, I'm less interested in ideas. Tell me how that feels. Or we talk about something historically. Tell me how that felt. What did it feel like? It's important to ask those kinds of questions because that's how we get into the subconscious, the unconscious. I mean, we're such a thought, idea-driven culture that we've lost our hearts. Maybe that's it. Your heart is where you feel. The heart's where you have emotions. It's not that we are controlled and guided by our whims and that we let our emotions just control our lives, but the facts are is that your emotions already are controlling your life. You're just unaware of it. Um, this is a way, when these needs are met, the emotions and the thoughts kind of align. And you're never gonna get it perfect, all right? It's never gonna, I mean, these needs aren't always gonna be met perfectly, but just to be aware that they're there, it has you feeling a lot more content in life. It has you feeling more gracious. The attitude of gratitude. I love that uh, AJ in that video, the audio excerpts I played from the guy who lived his life biblically for a year on the last podcast, that guy talked about how when you when you start doing something, and it's for a lot of us men, this is very true. When you start doing something, you create a habit around it, it changes the way you feel. It does. So he, when he would start to be say thanks for things, he talked about that. He said that changed his life. Well, what was one of the things that changed? Along with Sabbath, taking a day off where you can't work every week. Um, there's a certain rhythm to life. I talked about that in some of the early podcasts. There's a certain rhythm to life, and that with that God knows the rhythm, all right? And when we can do some of these things, yes, it may seem shallow or forced in from the outside, but some of them come naturally because they will meet some needs. Some of them, the needs can't be met because they're forced in from the outside, and we're trying to feel something when there's something else going on inside. There's a spirit caught up in there, right? There's something in the hole of the ship, a spirit thing that, that needs to be released. And that's why some of the rituals, maybe for you, didn't work long term. And that's why you're uh, cursing your faith or or have left it or I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, there should be good reasons for a lot of people losing their religion. I certainly have mine. <laughs> All right. There's another guy, uh, Zach, here in, in Seattle, does this podcast called "Losing Our Religion." Fascinating guy, fascinating story. Mega church pastor guy just went through uh, his his own journey, but love that guy. Uh, number seven: the need for love is probably the deepest most intrinsic need that a human being has. Animals have it, right? My daughter, she left her chihuahua when they first left and went out to town to Port Angeles. I'm working. Her chihuahua, like I, pick, I picked up her chihuahua and I'm petting it and stuff and 
being nice to it, loving on it, and, and, and he started following me around the house, right? He's just following me around because I know he knows I'm giving him love and affection. And so even animals need this. You know, you hear the thing about dogs, dog or a cat person. Well, a dog will love you no matter what you do, right? Like a, a dog, you leave the house for a half hour, you come back, it's like you've been gone for a year. They're all excited to see you. Can I tell you something? That's not necessarily true. And I know people that have done some work in, in with animals. My daughter worked at a vet clinic uh, for over a year and she will tell you that a dog will not always just love you when you get home. If you abuse an animal, they will cower in a corner when you get home. So even with animals, it's not true. Animals feel that need being met from you. That's how you're loving them. Do you see how that works? When you, when you help fill your need for your spouse, your wife guys are need for adventure, spontaneity, variety, when you start filling that need, how do you think she's gonna feel? If you ice her out because you're not doing these things because of some unresolved conflict or maybe, maybe a root of bitterness that maybe have grown inside you over the years and you're not talking about it, you're not having sex very often, you're, right? It can be one of those things. Or, you know, going into the scary place of asking her about her possible root of bitterness, why she feels the way she does about you. The, this can be difficult. These are hard conversations. It takes courage, but it, it's it it you, you need courage. Can be another adventure. It really is, and it will light up some of those that dopamine thing. You walk into a scary conversation like that. I'm not. And, and listen, you're right, man. I'm not guaranteed you're going to stay married. You have some of these conversations. It's. That's the scary part, isn't it? You're you're going into the security need. You feel secure because you're married. You could lose half your stuff, some of you guys, some of you gals. Um, significance. You have a certain um, social significance around being a couple. Your contribution. Maybe you both contribute as a couple. And the fact that you're going to threaten that by bringing up some unresolved conflict or bitter feeling that you have, that's scary. But again, adventure is in that scariness. And you know what? Number six, another need that can be met from it is the creation of a new relationship. I've been married for 26 years, all right? That's more than some of you listeners have been alive. It's funny how I get young people listen and it's like, the, I thought you were younger. And I'm like, I am, right? Like, I, had, I was in an addict for so many years that I have, I have like, what do you call it? Arrested development. So my maturity levels aren't of the, the average 48 year old. <laughs> and I'm, I kind of like that actually, right? Not that I'm immature, right? There's a difference. Like, going into seven again, the need, uh, love, the love need, that, that has something to do with it. Maturity um, and growth in step four, the love need, both these needs go back to that child, child self that's in us, the inner child. As psychologists would use the word the inner child. Um, the, the child that's in that place that 
that the Christians say don't go in. <laughs> when I tell you to turn into yourself, to turn your eyes inward, and to go on, I remember Mark Driscoll used to to, to, to say that it's that's all oh, that's Satan, right? Don't do that. You know, there's churches that have these labyrinths where you walk inward. And you pray as you're going inward. And some people will have beads and they'll hold the beads and they'll pray on each bead. And each bead will be a topic or a subject or a family member they're praying for as they're walking inward in this labyrinth. And I'm not a ritual guy, right? I mean, I, I, I know there's significance in rituals, but what that is signifying to me is meeting that inner child that is you on a spiritual level. So you're not just walking into yourself, into nothingness, just breathing and, and clearing out everything, but you're going to a space where that, that childlike self is. That five-year-old you. The, the little boy and the little girl and maturity, where I was going with this in the first place, maturity, um, there's a childlike, this guy Matt Chandler in Texas, I don't agree with everything Matt Chandler says either, but I, I do respect the man and and, and, and his ministry, um, I'm struggling, um, but I do respect Matt Chandler, I like Matt Chandler, uh, I, I struggle with the village church, I really do, I still do, I I've had issues with. I've sent listeners there, and, and I talked about that uh, stuff in the past. How things have been resolved, but um, what he said, I'm using some of the words he said, and this is very true. And I do love and, and respect Matt Chandler. I'm not mad at Matt Chandler. Uh, I, I'm not necessarily a supporter of that being a healthy place that you should send your family I'm, I said it, that's true uh, I believe that um, I did say that people should go I mean, you know, to, to the village church in the past and today I, I'd probably change that I don't know if it's a healthy place to be honest um, just by their theology and things that have happened in the past so that's where I'm at uh, I know I said that publicly but it is what it is um, but anyway, Matt Chandler, stop it, Russ. You keep going off topic. This is raising all these feelings in me as I talk about these needs. Um, what he said was there's, in the childlike self, there's childishness and there's childlikeness. You, you don't go into yourself to meet the childish you. All right? The childish you just comes out anyway. All right? Emotionally, we are children. We have all this logic and all these ideas and all this education, all this wisdom even, you could call it, that kind of put a fence around our emotions, but really emotionally we are kids. We really are. You, you see, I, I remember this woman who was a uh, just like 100 pound woman. She would lead these recovery groups with with men, alcoholic men, drug addicted men, um, and women. But I mean, some of these guys were like two or three times her size. And it was this is scary stuff. You're going and you're delving into these people's hearts and emotions. And, and, and people would ask, are you scared? Or were you scared? Are you scared to do that kind of work? Like, these people are unpredictable. They could hurt you. We're talking about N.A., Narcotics Anonymous, right? 
And she said, uh, I love what she said. She said, every time I walk into a room of, of addicts or people in my groups, she says, I just see children. She says, I, I look at them and I see children. And there's there's Mike over there. He's pouty, right? He's got his arms folded. His, his gaze is towards the floor. He's that kid. You know, there's the other kids. And, and she just she just nails. That's her gift, you know? She just knows the emotion. She goes for the heart. And she doesn't see the adult. She sees the inner child. And they're all children, right? They're all children in that group. I thought that was beautiful. So childlike faith is something that is so incredibly tied to our relationship with our Creator and that getting to that root, that deep Imago day that is being in that realm of beauty and peace and relationship and communing with the lover of our souls, right? The, the lover of our bodies, even. Our bodies are a part of this. You are a spirit in a body, and your body and spirit aren't, aren't as, as much separate as you think. Um, the Bible says that we will be resurrected in these bodies. Our bodies are intimate. We have an intimate relationship with our bodies. Love your body, alright? But don't love your body. <laughs> using that uh, affection, right? We're going into affection. This is the well. That's what I'm doing. I'm having a hard time because I keep loving my body. That's why I'm listening, Russ. It's not what I'm talking about. You, you get what I'm talking about. In your body, connecting with your body, going into your not just through your mind, closing your eyes, thinking about your heart, going into center, meditation. Being with God, communing with God, it's beautiful. It's its like crawling up in Daddy's lap. It really is. For me, as a, as a believer, as a Christian, that's, that's how I feel. Just crawling up in Dad's lap. Just being with Him. He's not reading me a book. He's not doing anything. He's not playing a game. I just get to be with God in that place. Spiritual awakenings, you know, in in uh, twelve step, you hear these. You know, I connected with my higher power, and, and 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 that's how I got off the the sauce, right, or the drugs, or there was something supernatural going on. And the science mics of the world, I know, will find some kind of scientific explanation. If you go back to the reason, you know why the twelve step is actually something that is taught, because there's God involved in 12-step, right? Um, but the, uh, the court uh, will, like myself, force someone into 12-step. It's either 12-step or jail for me, right? So I went to this 12-step group, and the reason that they can do that is because there was a psychologist years ago who proved that if addicts can remove themselves from, right, the, the equation, and, and he put this as the, the self, like there's different layers to the self, right? There's a layer of the self that if we can remove ourselves from ourselves, 
and focus on the higher power. Like basically, he wrote a paper on how this is uh, this is all involved in our evolutionary biology, and we are meaning makers, and we create some kind of meaning for ourselves, and and that's why we can have twelve step <laughs> court appointed twelve step because a when it's taught by professionals and not morons, all right, not bullies, it works. It really does. Uh, I know that there's statistics out there that go against that, but they're they're pulling in a bunch of these voluntary where there's no clinician involved. There's just some guy who's on a mission trying to fulfill his need for significance um, in those places. And some of those guys, they, they got more work to do. And part of the dry drunk thing, right? Like they don't focus enough energy on on addiction swapping, they, there's so much energy focused on not drinking that you can become an alcohol Pharisee and, you know, I mean the whole, I'm not going to go down that road, I've been down that road before. So you get what I'm saying though, hopefully. The spiritual awakening of that supernatural communing with God, realizing you're loved by God, that you are important, that you are valued, that your life has meaning, that you're not a mistake, that the purpose of your life is bigger than you are, that you are blessed, you are you, you are so important, so loved. You are loved more than you can fathom. The amount of love that the creator of the universe has for you, that he's right there with you, created everything. Created a star burning 100 million light years away and created you. You're significant and you're loved beyond what you know uh, as much as you know. You're loved more than you can fat love itself reverberates in your DNA, in all the atoms in your body. You, you are loved big time. I'm going to leave the show right there. That is the seven needs. And I just kind of went for it on this. I'm thinking it out. And thanks for listening if you listened to all seven and you're still with me at this point. I know I've gone long. Um, but I, I, I'm glad you're here with me as I took this drive on this adventure to help my daughter with her Jeep over in Port Angeles. Uh, what happened in Port Angeles? Let me uh, unpack it for you. So I, I, I missed some days because my car broke down and I had to work. So I, I wanted to go to Port Angeles with them, but I'm like, I'm doing the book too. There was some of that in there. Like I want to get this book project done. I'm gonna work on that and I'm also going to work. So I'm gonna do my job. So I'm behind on the bills, right? Because my car broke down and was in the shop for five days. And that's how I make a living. I'm an Uber Lyft driver. That's my main source of income. Um, that's that's devastating financially, right? At the end of the month, like that's not good. Devastating's an interesting word. Why did you use that word, Russ? It's not really devastating. Like It's not like a bulldozer driving through your house. That's devastating. You're just kind of a setback. It's different uh, financially. It feels feels devastating to me. Maybe that's going in and see. As I tell you this story, I'll go through some of these seven needs to see to show you maybe how it's like subconsciously I'm self-aware of, of how this is working out. The fact that I feel devastated 
um, goes to my security. You know, I grew up poor, trailer park, right, poor. My mom and dad got divorced. Security, money-wise, was something I was constantly reminded of. Um, I had the toys and things, like on Christmas. It was weird how my mom would come up with that stuff. Uh, but, it, you know, not all the toys, right? I mean, the real expensive, I didn't get a pony. <laughs> not that I wanted one, but anyway. Uh, see, that, the, 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 you see how I'm doing that? Like some of my deflecting, um, going down rabbit trails may have to do with, with insecurity, feeling secure in talking about painful things, even though that's all I do on this show is talk about painful things and flay myself open. But <clears throat> anyway, security. <coughs> Financially devastating. Sorry. Um, a little bit congested here. Um, so anyway, uh, and my family was going on this trip to Port Angeles, and I was like, I can't, I gotta stay. I can't afford to go. I wish I could have gone, but now I'm, I'm in this place. I'm gonna stay and make money. It's funny how God has other plans, right? Life is happening. Uh, what's the old quote? Um, Life is what happens while you're making other plans, right? So anyway. I get this call in the middle of the night, uh, you know, 11 o'clock. I was actually editing that last show that you guys heard, the, the one right before this one. I get this phone call, and my wife, uh, or first it's a text saying that she's broke down. First it's text messages, because I guess the, the, the cell coverage was so spotty where they were when they broke down that it was they couldn't make a phone call even. <coughs> so my wife is texting me, and she says she broke down. And, and at first, my reaction, because it's a text message, is, okay, you're messing with me, right? Like, don't joke around like that. That's not funny. Like, are you really broke down out in freaking Port Angeles? She says, yes, we're broke down. The Jeep won't start. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like, that's not good. So I here I give them some things to do, right? Here, let's try and do this, try and do that. <clears throat> smack the starter with a hammer and it's nighttime right and they're trying to find my, my father-in-law Bob is with him so my father-in-law Bob my wife my daughter and Mary my mother-in-law they're all out there and and so I'm telling Bob to try these things and he doesn't have any tools so uh, you know they they're like what do we do so I go okay well I'll come back and you get a ride back to the hotel and that was what was cool. So they're broke down at a casino. That's where they were. They were at this little Indian casino way out, you know, on the Indian Reservation by Port Angeles, right? I don't know if you follow the Twilight thing, but Twilight takes place, Port Angeles Forks, out there in that neighborhood out by, by the Olympic Mountains. Um, so, yeah, they're out in, they're out in Twilight freaking werewolf land <laughs> at this casino in the middle of nowhere. And listen, you know, gambling, you're going to go off the rails, Russ. That's a sinful thing to do. You know, it's, it's just entertaining. Some people can have fun gambling. My wife has a little, little Avon business, and she doesn't spend a lot of money, you know. I mean, when we have money, which isn't a lot these days, but when we did, it's, it's just entertainment. You go out, spend 20 bucks in the slot machines. I don't play a lot of table games, neither does my wife. I, I used to play when I had money, but I don't lately. 
it's been years. Um, but you know, you can see shows and there's lounge singers and whatnot. It's it's an entertaining place to go, right? Uh, so they were there, and 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 my daughter won like 200 bucks. And it's funny, she was telling me that it's these the, the emotional roller coaster, right? Like she doesn't. Like, I've never won that much before, Dad. It was kind of cool. I spent. I only had like 20 dollars to spend, but I I, I won 200 dollars. And you know, she kind of fluctuated up and down, played that 200 dollars some more, and I think she left the casino with like 175 bucks. So. So she's feeling like a gun on top of the world, like this is great, I won! And then she goes out to the parking lot and click, click, right? Like click, 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 the, the Jeep won't start. I was like, oh no, you know, and they're trying to get it to start. And so anyway, um, they call me, I say, okay, well I'll head out there in the morning, first thing in the morning, this is Saturday morning. And I thought it was Sunday. For some reason I thought Saturday was, was Friday just because my days are all confused now that I do this this crazy Uber and Lyft job. Uh, so I, uh, I get in the car, I drive out yesterday, Saturday morning, as, I'm, as I was recording this show, by the way, as what you heard at the beginning of the show, it's been edited, so now I'm driving back. Um, I get out there and I, I, get, I brought, bought a starter before I went out there. I stop at the uh, automotive place, I grab a starter and an ignition switch because by watching YouTube videos I figured it's going to be one of these two problems, these two issues. So I get out there and I have all my tools, I have my big jack which is actually sitting next to me now because I had to fold the seat down, I have this big floor jack with a big long handle and it's there. <laughs> my back seat. So I bring that out there. I, I jack the Jeep up. I look for the starter. I find the starter and it is buried underneath the exhaust manifold and the front differential. Um, the front differential, for those who don't know car talk, it's, it's basically the front axle on a four-wheel drive vehicle. So the engine is, it's not a sideways engine like a lot of front-wheel drive vehicles are. Hey, I'm on the ferry boat now. This is good. I just pulled on the ferry boat, turning off the engine. How does that sound, listeners? Anyway, so uh, I'm, I'm in, I'm under the vehicle, and the front axle, the differential, is blocking. There's like I could unbolt the thing, but there's no way I could pull it out without uh, dropping the front axle and removing some of the exhaust manifold. And I'm like, I don't have the tools to do this job. Like, what are we gonna do? This, this is horrible. So I start calling around to shops. Um, first, I called the dealership because usually I trust the dealership more than I'm gonna trust some little, some little mom and pop because a lot of them aren't real trustworthy. I mean, most mechanics. Sorry, that's just my past experience. Um, I'm a mechanic, all right. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a backyard certified mechanic. I learned growing up how to work on cars. I've had a lot of cars. Uh, I'm an ex-bad guy, kind of, I was a drug dealer for a little while. I hung out with a lot of sketchy people. But one of the cool things about those sketchy people is that their survival mechanisms, right? Their, their needs for surviving, uh, which also come out of this, right? Significance rising up, our, our significance need goes to that survival. We get survival mechanisms that keep us 
alive, right? Keep us significant. I'm a, I'm a living being in the world. I will survive. And these guys, man, they taught me everything I know about working on cars. My dad taught me some stuff, but my dad and my mom got divorced when I was very young. I was seven. And and he, you know, he would take me to wrecking yards a few times when I was a kid. I remember that. That was a blast. Man, back in the day, nowadays you can't go to the wrecking yard unless you're over 18. But back then, um, I, I could go to the wrecking yard with my dad, and it was awesome. You know, with all these broke, busted up cars. It was a beautiful place for a little boy. Uh, but people don't watch their kids, and that's the thing is you get you get hurt there. Um, so my dad taught me a little bit, but but mostly it was those guys. Those guys taught me how to work on cars. Those guys, my friend Dave Labonte, still a friend today. He's uh, he's makes an appearance in the book as well. Um, he and I, he's the one person I know who has pretty much got his life straightened out and uh, is not dead or in jail. So I love Dave for that. But he he also is a car guy. Uh, taught me to work on cars. So anyway, uh, I know my way around a vehicle. Uh, just to say that. I don't take my car to a lot of mechanics. But when I do, it's usually the dealership because they usually, not always... But they usually know more than the average uh, mechanic. So, uh, I get there. I know. I just the, the the needs going on. I get out there. My 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 need for significance is kicking in as well. I want to be the dad. I want to rescue my daughter. Contribution, right? Need number three is popping up. I want to contribute my gifts, my abilities to my family. Help them in this time of need, right? security, the security around my family. I got Papa Bear. Papa Bear needs to protect uh, Mama Bear and Baby Bear. Alright, so Papa Bear's running out there. <laughs> That's what he's going to do. So all these needs at work, right? I get out there. Um, I find the, the, the dealership and he says, he said, this is Saturday, right? He says, if you get it out here soon, he goes, we can finish it by the end of the day. But I need it here by 3 o'clock. Now, at the time I'm talking to this cat on the phone, it's 2 o'clock. So I go, okay, well, you know, I'll see if I can find a tow truck or something. And then, and then I thought to myself uh, about one of the tricks that one of my old friends taught me. This guy, he's a Facebook friend today. I don't know how his life is going. I should, We should connect, have coffee or a beer or something. I don't know, depending on what recovery... Uh, rehab he's been through <laughs> my friend uh, Kenny and so Kenny taught me that if you smack uh, if you smack an alternator or a starter that will get it to run again uh, which is amazing so uh, they basically have brushes it's like a you know it's these wires and they wrap around the brushes and they connect and the same with the starters kind of built the same way the starters just a little motor that pops up and spins and when those brushes wear down that's when your alternator or your starter go out and they will go out I mean they just do they they don't last forever uh, and her Jeep has hundred and seventy thousand miles on it so I reach up there I'm smacking it with the thing and then I'm trying to start and it won't start so I keep smacking it, it won't start so I'm calling around Actually, I tried to call around there at the casino, but the again, the the there's no cell service. There's barely any cell service. There's a little bit of cell service. So uh, I, we we drive, we get in the car, and we're going to drive out 
towards the hotel so we can make some phone calls. And I have this feeling, right? And I don't know where this feeling came from. Maybe this came from the supernatural place. I don't know. I, you know, I'm sure Science Mike or some of those guys could find a logical explanation for it. But I'm, we're getting in the car and I have this feeling that I should smack it again. That I should reach up under there, smack the starter again. And I quickly got distracted by something and I didn't follow that feeling. <laughs> I got back in the car and we went up by the hotel and we started calling all these different tow truck companies. I called like three of them. That was the, There was maybe four in Port Angeles and I called three of them. I got to number three and this guy named Cody answers and Cody says, uh, I'll do my best, man. I, 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 and then he proceeds to tell me that it's gonna cost $200. It cost $200 to pick up uh, the car and drive it to the dealership. It's gonna cost more to tow the vehicle than it's gonna cost to fix the vehicle. So we're like, you know, we're already strapped for cash. My, my father-in-law, Bob, says, hey, you know, I'll pay for, you know, the, the tow truck and, and the repairs. And so, thanks, that's awesome, great. So, I get a hold of this guy and he says, yeah, I'll run out there, we'll see what we can do. I'll try to do my best. So. I said, okay, I'll meet you down there at the casino. So we drive back down to the casino, right? Now, I'm sitting there in the parking lot, and I get, again, that feeling comes back. Reach under there and smack the starter again. Just, just smack it again. Just, so, that gnawing thing. So I go, okay, so I, all right, Bob, let's get, so, we, and the, the jack, again, I have this huge freaking floor jack. It's in my car right now. I had to fold the seat back to get in here. So Bob, I said, hey, Bob, help me get this out. And so we get the jack out. We put it under the vehicle. We jack up the vehicle. I reach under there with my breaker bar and I smack the starter again. <clears throat> and I, and I get in the vehicle and I turn the key and it won't start. So I, I go up in there and I smack it a few more times and then I and then I turn the key. I smacked it hard too, man. I was like I was into it. <laughs> so I turn the key and woo, 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 right? I'm like, oh look and my wife goes my wife said I made this face that she's never seen me make. <laughs> like she goes, it was this this combination of wonder and excitement. Like she that face was she goes, I wish I had a picture of that face that, that you made when it made that noise because it was it was it was crazy. Um not crazy in a bad way, but crazy in that little kid way of oh, right? Like oh, whoa, whoa, ah, right? <laughs> it was that face. So she so I'm so I, I turned it again and, and the vehicle starts and I'm like oh my god this is awesome I go Bob quick let's get this jack in the back here before the tow truck guy shows up and so we do we we scramble to get the freaking jack in the car and and then I I drive I get in my daughter's jeep and we drive out of the casino area right so. I get on the phone to the tow truck guy because I want to make sure, I'm hoping that he's not already on his way. So I, I, I'm picking up the phone, right? I put my phone, I, she has like a mount, right? I'm not making phone calls while I'm driving as much as I'm pushing on a screen right there. So I put it in the mount, I push the thing, I go into my 
right, my recent calls and I find Cody, I call Cody. At the time, at the, about the time I find Cody in the thing, I'm driving up this long hill and I see him in this tow truck, I, 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 it, right? This tow truck is coming down the hill and I'm like, oh, okay, that's all right. So I push the thing and I'm trying to call Cody and again, we're out there in the freaking werewolf twilight land we're in the twilight zone almost literally and 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 there's no cell service so i get cody's voicemail and i go i go cody i'm so sorry man i know i had you come out here but i got the vehicle started and i'm on my way to the dealership and uh and, and i just left that message so <clears throat> i get up into the city up into by where our hotel is in port angeles there and and <laughs> And I finally get cell service, and there's a missed uh, there's a missed call right on on my phone. There's a there's a message. There's a a voicemail thing pops up, right? Missed call, and then voicemail thing. And I'm like, oh man, this tow truck driver is gonna be pissed at me. <laughs> he's and 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 I listen to the message. So I listen to the message, and it's Cody, and he's he he obviously hadn't checked his messages yet, or he couldn't get his messages because again, he's way out there in werewolf twilight zone uh casino and and he's going hey hey man i'm out here i'm out here in the parking lot and i can't find you <laughs> like where are you dude i'm trying to find your jeep and uh i guess he finally talked to the security guy because i did tell him to talk to the security guy because the security guy came out and he was talking to us too i forgot about that part of the story the security guy come out what are you doing uh the cars broke down but they were really nice um again these folks drove them home last night from the casino these indian folks it's great they were like hey uh, we'll give you a free lift back to your hotel and that was a drive that was a bit of a drive so uh, I don't want to leave those guys out. Those guys were awesome. They drove my family from the casino to the hotel, which was it was like 13 miles or something like that. It's not a, not a short drive. Um, maybe it was seven miles. I can't remember. 13 mile round trip. But so everybody at the casino was really nice, really awesome. And the, the security guy was really nice. He even let me, he's like, oh, you're gonna do this here, right? Like, you know, kind of rolling his eyes. Um, I, I couldn't do it there, obviously, but, so anyway, I drive the Jeep to the freaking. this story isn't over. I drive this Jeep to the uh, dealership and the guy, John there, another guy, just really freaking nice, great guy. He's like, I even bumped a few cars, you know, that didn't need this stuff done right away to help you guys out because I know you're stranded out here in Port Angeles. Now, Port Angeles, from where we live in Everett, it's about, it's a ferry ride, which I'm on now, and it's a two hour drive, two and a half, something like that, 220. It's a drive, right? So he says, yeah, you guys are stranded out here. We're going to do the best we can. We're going to get the starter in, and and uh, we're going to get your Jeep up and going. So I'm like, oh, that's great, dude. So we go out. We have uh, burgers or something, and then we come back, and he says, it's not done yet. Ran into a snag. Uh, but just give us another half hour. So we go to this place. We do some wine tasting, right? So drinking and gambling, right? it's all involved in this ship, right? There's in this trip, this debauchery. Uh, in my ship too. There's the I'm touching on my book there a little bit. Anyway, so it wasn't debauchery. It was just it was the wine tasting. All right, Jesus drank wine. The first miracle in the Bible is wine. Jesus makes wine, it, the Bible records it's good wine at a 
party. It was actually a wedding. It was like a wedding reception. These people ran out of wine. You know why? They drank all the wine. And then they asked Jesus, like, hey, uh, you can help us out. And Jesus is telling his mom, like, hey, I'm not really ready for this yet, but okay, here it goes. Go, go have those guys go fill up two barrels. Anyway, so alcohol, right? Um, oh, don't get me started. The first miracle, Jesus turned water into wine. Don't don't be an alcohol Pharisee, all right? You, you start thinking you're better than Jesus is. That's, that's again, not so healthy uh, spiritually as a Christian. It's just my take on things. But So we go to this wine tasting place, and it's great. This is a little Washington winery, and, and that was fun. Uh, oh, listen, here's that. Wait, we're on the boat. I can't remember my windows. See, there's another need at work there. My need to explain to you about my alcohol stuff, right? Uh, you're out drinking while driving? You know, here's a wine tasting. They only give you a few ounces, all right? We bought a bottle of wine. Um, it wasn't expensive. It was like 15 bucks or something like that. So, you know, it was good wine to celebrate. And we're out there and it wasn't, you know, hey, go out for a while and come back. So. Go to this winery, really cool winery. What's the name of the winery? Gosh, I could give them a plug. Olympic Winery. It was there in Port Angeles. It's probably the only winery in Port Angeles. So there's that. Um, but really good wine. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, the Bordeaux was amazing, and they had this other wine that uh, it was it was uh, it was made with local grapes, not just local Washington State grapes from Eastern Washington, but local grapes from around that area there in Port Angeles. Uh, so that was amazing. But we get back to the dealership after that, and and this the guy John, who's been super friendly and super nice, is like, uh, there was a problem with your O2 sensor. And I'm like, well, you know, I can probably answer for a starter, what's up with the O2 sensor? He says, well, we had to take the exhaust manifold off to get to the starter. And I go, I get that. And he says, well, the O2 sensor is in the exhaust manifold. And whoever worked on the exhaust manifold prior stripped out the O2 sensor. It wasn't put in properly. And they can't, they, so they even tried to put a dummy one in. Like we couldn't put a, we were just gonna plug it up for you, you know, and then you could buy it because they didn't even have the part in stock, the O2 sensor. So he says, we were just gonna plug it for you with a, with a dummy O2 sensor until you can fix it just to get you home. But we couldn't even do that because the threads are stripped on the inside on the exhaust manifold itself. So he says, what they're gonna do is they're gonna re-tap it because whoever worked on the car, and 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 I could tell that he wasn't lying either, because that's one of the things that <laughs> that occurred to me as well is like, did this guy strip out the freaking O2 sensor, and now he's gonna charge me for it? So I, I can I see the O2 sensor? I want to see it, and they go, oh yeah. So they go back and they grab it for me, and they show me. And I can tell that it's burnt, like it didn't seat properly. So if it was seated properly, it wouldn't have all this corrosion and kind of burnt look to the inside of it. I hope that makes sense. Like if you think if you put a bowl on the counter at home 
it's going to be flat against the counter and there there shouldn't be any dirt on where it's flat against the counter right unless your counter is dirty but but if it's sealed against it it wouldn't be dirty so i could tell that he wasn't lying when he showed me the o2 sensor that it had been that way for a long time that whoever owned the vehicle before my daughter we bought it used um, did not put that part in properly and stripped it out and and wrecked and that's why you're probably why her jeeps ran a little rough ever since she's had it so um so there was that so then he says i'm sorry but i can't fix this today on saturday and we're like oh great you know because we i'd stayed out there longer than i wanted to go to work that night by this time i'm just beat tired you know, I thought I was just going to drive out there, put a starter in, drive back, no big deal, go to work that night, make some money. Uh, no, I'm out there till you know, it's like 7 o'clock at this point. This guy stayed an hour late. The mechanic stayed an hour late to try and help us. I mean, that was really great. It was really nice of them. So, but John says, yeah, dude, I'm sorry. We're going to have to order in the part, and I can't. Um, did I just see, did I just see a whale? Holy smokes, I think that's a whale. I gotta get some pictures of that. Hold on. But I'm gonna break. I'm gonna break my. Gonna break my rusty cage and run. I'm gonna break. I'm gonna break my. Gonna break my rusty cage and run. was a whale or not. I'm back here in the car. I got out to take pictures. I uh, Just like a dark spot in the water. But it was looked pretty big. It looked bigger than a seal. I saw something. It popped up and then I got out. I took a picture. I don't really think I got anything. I just uh, a big blob of dark big huge something in the water. But yeah, there's there's whales out here. A lot of whales. You see them every so often on the ferry boats from what I've heard. I've never seen one on a ferry boat. It might have been the first time. It was big, uh, but it didn't jump up out of the water. Like, that would have been awesome. But, I don't know. He wasn't into doing that. Anyway, I saw a whale. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> There's need number five right there at work, right? Adventure, spontaneity, variety. Uh, good freedom. That's another way you could look at uh, need, need number five. I had a need to capture that, that whale on, on camera for whatever reason. I don't know what that is. Significance? That would be significant, right? I could share it on the Facebook page. I could show my family. I could I could put it, right? Like that makes me feel like I'm, I'm immature. <laughs> is that insecurity at work? I don't know. Um, it's just fun. Just like to share stuff. Come on. My adventurous self. Um, so where were we in the story? Uh, yeah, so the O2 sensor is out. But they gave my daughter a free loaner car, which is like uh, is like 50 bucks a day that they normally charge people for like a rental. You can rent some of these cars. Uh, but he says, you can use this until Tuesday. We feel really bad. We really tried to get you guys back on the road. We know you're stranded out here, but if you can come back Tuesday... Um, so my daughter gets to drive a 2015 Jeep Compass. And then I had the choice to drive home that night, right? And then maybe work in the morning, but it was Sunday. I don't tend to 
do a lot of work on Sunday. Sometimes I do work if it's an emergency, but Sunday is my Sabbath day. I really try and observe at least one day a week off. And that's not always Sunday, but usually Sunday because church and stuff. I I do attend church, not entirely regularly, like I'm not there every Sunday, but I do attend a, a church or two. I, I attended a number of churches actually at this point in my life. Um, I don't have a, a total favorite. I, the Poor Gardner Church is kind of my, I guess you could call it my home church. It's basically because I know some of the folks there. I don't agree with the pastor completely on his theology. I love Pastor uh, Chuck, who did actually contribute to help keeping this podcast alive, too, uh, financially. So thanks. That's Pastor Chuck. Um, but I'm not Mr. I'm, I'm just being honest. I'm not Mr. Uh, I'm not a big church guy. I, I do love the church, but I'm not just, and that's just me. I'm not saying that's a, that it should be that way for you or for everybody, but just from what I've been through with, with Mars Hill Church and, and some of the other churches and doing this ministry for 11 years has had me, um, I'm in different relationships with a lot of different churches in the Seattle area. So sometimes I attend uh, those churches as well. Uh, and and I'm okay with that. So my my in the in the book of revelations I love that the letters to the churches there's an angel of the church in Ephesus, right? There's an angel of the church in Philippi. There's an angel, right? And all these churches. And, and I like to think of, of Everett, my city, or Seattle, having an angel of the church uh, of the Seattle metro area. And I, uh, I attend that angel's church. <laughs> so that's that's my church attendance. So that's Sunday. So anyway, I decided to stay the night with them. We called a neighbor to take care of our animals. So we have like three dogs. We have five chickens. Uh, one of the chickens. Oh, here's another one. I'm gonna I'm gonna fillet myself open for you. One of our chickens stays in the house. All right. Now I got this from my stepbrothers. My stepbrother lives in Waikiki in, in Hawaii. He has a chicken in his house. His wife has cockatoos. And you think, oh, chickens are a dirty bird, don't they smell? Really, they don't really smell any much more than any other bird of that size. Uh, and this chicken is a it's a silky, and the reason she's inside is because we have big birds, like we have uh, Rhode Island Red. We have all these big chickens, like you know. Um, we have a Plymouth Rock, Rhode Island Red. Uh, we have a, a, a Polish rooster now who's fairly quiet. The neighbors aren't complaining, so we're keeping the rooster for now. Uh, so, yeah, we have these big chickens. And this chicken is small, and as the chickens grew up, uh, they pick on this one. So she can't sleep in the coop with the other chickens, the other four, because they pick on her. So she stays in a big bird cage in our house. She's the strangest, strangest looking parrot you will ever see. And the funny thing is, is that she will go in and out by herself. If we open the door to the, her cage, she just leaves. If we leave the door open in the summer, this is works because in the summer we kind of have the door open all the time anyway. So uh, while we're home, right? And and she just leaves <laughs> she just walks out and plays with the other chickens she it's weird how it, the chickens are cool with her all day long but if we put her in the coop they they pick on her they bite her and and she's had like you know been attacked so 
we keep the silky in the house. Anyway, so our animal thing situation, you know, it's tough to just get up and go without some planning. So thank God for our neighbor who came over and took care of our animals. Just basically opened the door and then shut the door uh, for the chicken and the dogs so the dogs can go to the bathroom and stuff. So, uh, <clears throat> so I spent the night there. We took the Jeep Compass to a place called Hurricane Ridge which was cool and it was also me I mean I've been talking about these needs and then realizing when circumstances come up that I'm not in control of my life right and that while yes I'm very behind on on the bills uh, I I need to realize that it's not devastated I'm not devastated um, that things will get better and that I can take some time to enjoy my life, to sit down, have a, a glass of wine and a little motel, you know, with my family. And that was awesome. We watched the end of the Mariners game where, uh, I mean, it came down to the wire in the ninth inning, but we watched that Mariners get bumped out of the playoffs. So Mariners um, will not be in the playoffs sadly this year. It was the first time in like a, over a decade that our Seattle Mariners baseball team actually had a, you know, a shot at the playoffs. So this, this year was a big deal, but yeah, it came right down to, I mean, it was eight, it was extra innings, eight to nine. And sure enough, the Mariners got, bloop, yeah, no, sorry. We lost by one run. Uh, but, but still it was cool to have a glass of wine, have a hang out with my family, watch this, this, uh, Mariners game, and then in the morning we took the Jeep Compass, that loner Jeep, up this trail. It's not really a rugged trail. It's it's paved all the way up, uh, but it's way up in the mountains, up in the Olympic Mountains. It's called Hurricane Ridge, and you can see Canada from there. Um, I'll put a video on my Facebook. See, there I go. Significance. I have that need to share. I think that... Uh, it's not just significance, but, or maybe it, it is. That's part of the sharing economy, isn't it? That the reason why Facebook is a multi-billion dollar company, the reason that social media is even a thing, is because we have this intrinsic need to share our lives with other people because that feeling of sharing stuff makes us feel significant, right? And in that place, in that little hotel room, I also felt love and affection, right? My, my family, I have my family around me. My daughter felt, she's, thank you, Dad. Thanks for coming out here and helping us with this and, and uh, using your, your magic to, to smack that starter and get the, get the vehicle running. Um, so that, that need got met there and that need wouldn't have been met all by myself at the house. Uh, cranking out my book or doing this podcast um, as much as the, the it feels good to do this podcast is my creation need being met um, I'm, I've built something bigger than myself I've sort of had over the last few years and maybe you've heard it in the podcast a kind of love-hate relationship with it to be honest um, uh, I just handling some of the, the, the emails as things I've handled uh, it's the situations I've been brought into and, and asked to speak into and uh, realizing some of the really dark, jacked up things about religion. Uh, my friend Pastor Rick up there at AC3 said, uh, said that I'm like a cop in a way, 
right? Not that I'm law enforcement, but I see, <clears throat> I see the underbelly of of a, a Christian ministry or Christian uh, religion. Um, I think when Mars Hill crashed, everyone saw the underbelly. Anytime a church just goes down like Mars Hill Church did, everyone sees the underbelly. <clears throat> so it's bigger than just sex. Um, sex is actually just a symptom of, of other these needs. Again, these needs getting met in ways that aren't real healthy. So, yeah, it was it was a good time. And my family is still up there. They went to the... Uh, the, the hot springs which was another 15 miles out the other way I have to get back change the oil in this vehicle so I can be back to work uh, tomorrow so yes I'm <laughs> I could have spent that time going out there with them but then that would have set us back more and tomorrow's Monday and it's a new work week I'm I'm paid uh, differently for doing uh, commuter hours right I drive people to work drive people home there's like guaranteed hourlies things like that for drivers like myself so uh, that's uh, that's what's been going on in my life and how my life today uh, echoes these needs um, and, and look for the book man Mutiny on the Ghost Ship if you donate I'm going to give you a copy of the book Mutiny on the Ghost Ship it's digital everything's digital so keep that in mind I'd like to send a CD to some of you guys I mean I'll give you a digital copy as well but you know I mean, I think that's, that's, uh, for, and again, it costs money to mail you stuff, so it's got to be at least, uh, the, above, like, 15 bucks. I don't know. So there's that. Um, thanks again for listening, you guys. I do love you guys more than you know. Um, those of you listeners that stuck around with me for years, um, there's some of you have been listening for a long time, and I get your emails, and, 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 and I, lo I do love you guys, and I, I'm, I'm glad to hear your continuing um, sobriety, to use that word, what, this journey that you're on, that you're, you're feeling and understanding that this is something deeper than porn, that it's, it's, it, it goes beyond you downloading some software to keep you from jumping over the the gate right that there are needs going on below the surface that I'm a, uh, as I do this podcast I'm not gonna give you just some quick easy steps to getting rid of the porn habit because that doesn't exist that's why I, I support my friend Seth Taylor and and uh, his work is is so good because it it, it, it realizes that it's, it's not just about sex right that this is anesthetic. That the porn industry exists for a reason. We're all we're all human beings in a broken world, trying to meet needs in ways that uh, our spirits don't always mesh with. So, love you guys. I'll stop yapping now and enjoy the rest of my drive home. Uh, thanks again for listening. Bye.